We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. to another edition of the Budding Heads Podcast, proud part of Rams Talk Radio and the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Steve Roberto, here as with Johnny Gomez. Johnny, at this time last week, I believe that the 49ers, uh, their last Super Bowl was about a month into my lifetime, uh, just, just hit 30 at the end of December, and that is still... The last time the San Francisco 49ers have won a Super Bowl. How are we doing? I love it, man. I, I absolutely love it. And uh, you know, call me a hater, which I absolutely am proud <laughs> of it. Right. Um, <laughs> hell yeah. Um, you can't you can't sit there rooting for the if Rams fan. It just no one. It's it, there's something wrong if you are yeah i (laughs) i i didn't realize how big of a hater i really was um until the last like until we got eliminated from the playoffs where i just decided i hate the lions uh which i think i think i soured i think i think i'm back okay with the lions uh and then i remembered during the super bowl that i fucking hate the 49ers so the, the hating hours were wide open uh, after that overtime loss. A uh, lot of people clowning Kyle Shanahan. A lot of people rightfully realizing that Sean McVay is a better coach and he's got the ring to prove it. Uh, it's just, man, it's been it's been hilarious. It's it's just been so funny. I I don't care how big of a hater we come across. Uh, all these. Players were clowning are much more successful than I am, and all these fans, I don't give a fuck. Keep living in the past, fellas. Uh, congratulations on your five whatever Super Bowl wins before 
like before the Clinton impeachment even happened. You know, good for you guys. Congrats. <laughs> yeah, I I always love uh, blowing that in the face of uh, you know some friends of mine uh, that are. 49er fans I do the same thing with Raider fans as well um oftentimes making a reference that uh the majority of these fans especially from the younger generation were swimming the last time they uh either of these teams would want a Super Bowl so I love it and I will continue to that in their face (laughs) uh (laughs) me as well uh, this is great. This is hilarious. Uh, the 49ers, once again, are losers. They can... I, I said on Twitter, like, hey, I, I'm going to continue to clown them. It's an accomplishment to make the Super Bowl. It's much better to lose in the Super Bowl than to lose in the first round of the Lions. But, like, I still don't know what uh, how I would have handled the Rams losing to the Bengals like losing the first time I've said before like I was upset obviously but I got over pretty quickly it was it felt just like a big deal to have gotten there uh but the second time man everyone I watched that game with said it was one of the most miserable experiences of their life because they were just watching me not even like (laughs) loudly reacting or like you know, like being animated, just like sitting there in dread for three and a half quarters, watching the Rams not do anything. Uh, and then thank God they pulled it out in the end. But like, oh boy, you got eh, losing again. It, it's tough. Uh, and it couldn't happen to anyone more deserving than the San Francisco 49ers. <laughs> yes, uh, we will continue to sing this tune for the rest of the offseason because uh, there was nothing else really to celebrate for the Rams this year. (laughs) Well, speaking of things, you know, to not celebrate, uh, well, some celebrations, we're going to do player grades in a bit for the defensive players. If you didn't listen to last week's show, we did player grades for the season for offensive players. So I would definitely recommend checking that out. But uh, the NFL honors where they handed out season awards took place be uh, a couple days before the Super Bowl. Uh, some of the notable awards, Lamar Jackson won MVP, uh, Christian McCaffrey got the player of the year. And then relevant for us, we had two rookie of the year runner ups. Puka Nakua came in second for offensive rookie of the year to CJ Stroud. Uh, the final vote tally ended up being 48 to two. Uh, Kobe Turner, defensive player of the year or defensive rookie of the year, he came in third. Uh, he ended up getting 14 first place votes compared to uh, Will Anderson, who got 16, uh, and Jalen Carter got 14 as well in second, but was left off of 23 ballots, which is insane. Um, and a lot of Rams fans were rightfully mad about this, but Johnny, I don't know if you spent any time on what is now called, I guess, X, uh, the night this was happening, but uh, for some reason, you know, Rams fans in a week where we're getting ready to quant, to what, what, I don't know what I just said, to clown 
who we call the whiners, the 49er fans, just could not stop bitching about every award. And one thing that really blew my mind is like, uh, and this was even before Tory Holt was robbed of being in the Hall of Fame, which uh, I think we should say for a separate podcast because that is an abomination and a disgrace. <laughs> like, obviously, people were complaining about the Kobe Turner thing that was warranted. The voting shift where he was off of 23 ballots and probably wins if those people put him on the ballot is pretty crazy. But, like, we really went hard on Puka losing. And I guess that's fine. There's a case that he should have been the rookie of the year. But, like, we all could have seen that coming. But then, like, we continue in the night, and they announce Coach of the Year, and Sean McVay comes in fifth, and people start to get mad about that. Uh, he got one first-place vote. It actually ended up being a tie that went to Kevin Stefanski of the Browns over D'Amico Ryans uh, of the Texans, who it, they had the same number of points, but Stefanski won by one point which i thought was pretty crazy i thought it should be been ryan's one away run away uh but like it shouldn't have been mcveigh <laughs> over these two guys and then what really broke my brain johnny is uh they announced the comeback player of the year and as expected it was between joe flacco and demar hamlin and joe flacco won which to me is fucking crazy because he just like came back from being old and bad and played really well versus Jamar Hamlin who almost fucking died on a football field and then not only got healthy as a human but like is playing football this year and then I see Rams fans mad that Matthew Stafford uh, didn't get any love or recognition in the voting of this award and that he should have won it over Flacco. And man, I'm just sitting here like, what, what the fuck is everyone doing? Uh, I, I don't understand any of this, why we're wasting our breath complaining so hard about any of these with the exception of Tory Hall and Kobe Turner. But like at some point when you just complain about everything and make it act like, the media is out to get the Los Angeles Rams. Like there's a grand conspiracy against a football team who was championed by the NFL to abandon their home turf and move back to Los Angeles. Like people don't want us to succeed. Like this is some of the dumbest shit I've ever heard. And like I, I to be making claims and I saw multiple people doing it that like, Sean McVay or Matthew Stafford were robbed of those awards is just truly one of the silliest things I've ever seen. Uh, and I was kind of fucking completely baffled by all of that. And that's the end of my rant. Uh, in no way should Matthew Stafford have one comeback player of the year this year. Like, there is no world where he deserved that. Yeah, I, I mean, I, there's really not a whole lot to add to that because that's absolutely 100% correct. Literally only two awards that fans should be overly upset about. 
and that was the Kobe Turner um, Defensive Rookie of the Year and Torrey Holt being snubbed out of the Hall of Fame yet again. That, to me, was the biggest issue of the night by, um, by, by far. far. But I will uh, say, I, again, I will say, and I, I think we could save this for a different discussion because we're going to need things to talk about. It would be fucking mind-boggling if when you look at the ballot for next year, if he doesn't get in, like it would actually be not that this year wasn't that tough of a ballot either, but like Patrick Willis, Julius Peppers, um, Devin Hester, Reggie Wayne. Those were guys who were in the way or not Reggie Wayne, sorry, Andre Johnson, especially him um, and Devin Hester. Those are guys that are kind of in the way. And like, you look at the first ballots for next year. I don't think anyone should be first ballot. Uh, and so Antonio Gates, who was kind of inexplicably left off this year, will probably be a lock for next year. But after that, it does kind of – hopefully it'll be his time um, because there's not a lot of, like, this guy has to get in this year after that. It might be him, but continue. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I said that uh, about this year, but uh, <laughs> uh, here we are. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just think back to, um, seeing offensive rookie of the year, seeing, uh, some of the people complaining about that. And mind you, I am a big Puka Nakua fan as well. I would have loved to seen him, uh, win offensive rookie of the year, but there was, uh, it's hard to, first of all, it's hard to outbeat a, a quarterback at a wide receiver position, but to sit there and try and diminish what, CJ Stroud actually did this past year. It, I mean, you can't do it. He, he had a hell of a season. And in, in the end, he had the better year overall. Um, it's unfortunate because, uh, you know, you could certainly make an argument that Puka had a, a better year from, you know, positional standpoint. But regardless, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like anyone was out to get Effort. He did have a, a nice comeback. I don't think there's any issue for him not winning the award. And then, quite frankly, Sean McVay, well, I, I do give him all the credit in the world, and we just sit here and praised him for uh, being a better quarterback than a certain coach. And uh, I mean, a, I, I called him a quarterback, a better <laughs> coach. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> a better coach than a certain coach in uh, San Francisco. Um, the reality is he he did he did help bring the team. You know that I, quite frankly, neither one of us, uh, Steve or I, thought that was going to even have a winning season, much less a playoff winning season. So um, you know that is something to be celebrated and something to appreciate. But I mean, it should have went to D'Amico Ryan's. I'm it's just so fucking that. crazy that it didn't, man. Like that was, like we both thought you had the Rams winning four games. If the Texans were on our schedule, would you have picked them? Like no way. No, <laughs> no, no. The Browns were on our schedule, right? We played them. Yeah, uh, we probably. Yeah, I, I, well, I didn't pick the Browns because I, I had bias. Uh, but you picked the Browns. Like, I know they had a lot of injuries, but, like, 
how much credit should Kevin Savansky get for getting more out of Joe Flacco than he got out of Deshaun Watson? Like, <laughs> I don't know, man. He got that, that is something to be said, though. Yeah, he got nothing out of his multi-million dollar quarterback and then Joe Flacco, who in a year where, like, I think DeMar Hamlin just didn't get it because it felt like he was going to win it for 17 weeks. So people got excited about this new thing, but like he obviously should have won it. I don't care how arbitrary it feels. It's a fucking award. He's obviously the comeback player of the year, but a year where he's not on the ballot, it's obviously Joe Flacco because like that was an insane, like we watched him play for the fucking jets last year, man. Like that was crazy. Like, Matthew Stafford won a Super Bowl two years ago. I'm happy he bounced back. I, I I think he deserves recognition, and he got it. He made the Pro Bowl. He's got a lot of praise. He got some MVP votes. Very little, but he, I think he scored four points. Um, <laughs> it's just like, man, what are we doing? Do we need to complain about fucking everything? And then when other fan bases complain, we're like, all you guys do is complain. Like, but we're sitting here complaining about the comeback player of the year award. Like, what the hell are we doing, man? Uh, we've spent enough time on this. Uh, it is crazy. Kobe Turner was left off so many ballots, but, uh, there was a campaign to even get him to be considered. So kind of felt like that was going to happen, but I was happy to see him coming third. Like he should have came in first, but, uh, he made up a lot of ground and I'm happy for him. I'll give him credit too, because I loved his response to it. He didn't really acknowledge it. He just literally said it's time to go to work. And I'm like, damn, that's what I want to see. You know, (laughs) Uh, he knows it's bullshit, but he's going to, he's going to get to work and he's going to prove everyone wrong. That's what I like. And I think that's a great segue into our player grades. We'll start talking about Kobe Turner right after this break. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, so establish the rules again here. We're going to give hand out a letter grade to the main contributors of the defense. John, I have a list. If I miss anyone at the at the end, you let me know. Um, we're grading based on performance with a bit of expectation mixed in. Mixed in. So, like, uh, Aaron Donald is not my highest graded player here because I factor in 
expectation, if they exceeded it, if they drastically didn't exceed it. Um, and so that'll come into play. So it's a little, it's kind of a little bit of a weighted grade. Let's take it as that. Uh, but let's start with Kobe Turner, our one of our two third-round picks on the defense rookies. He had 57 tackles this year, including 29 solo tackles uh, and nine sacks, which led rook, led all rookies. Uh, he had six stuffs, two passes defended. According to Pro Football Focus, so we're taking these stats from them. Some of their sa- their sack numbers are like sometimes don't match the box score. It's just who they think was responsible for a sack. So they actually gave him 12. Uh, along with seven QB hits and 31 hurries. He graded out to an 83.2, which is 11th among defensive linemen. Without a doubt, when it comes to Kobe Turner, man, uh, NA plus exceeded all expectations. Uh, A guy who I think we both probably expected to be a contributor this year and not a what who's turning into a foundational piece of the defense. Uh, and he really is. I would say he was the s- third, maybe this is the case for second best player on the entire defense this year. Uh, he, you get a, you're afforded a lot of opportunities sitting next to Aaron Donald, and he took advantage of that and then some. Uh, really impressed. Is an easy A plus for me. I, I don't know how it could be any other grade than an A plus. Uh, because even if you were to say you were a, a fan of, of Kobe Turner, uh, and let's face it, there was many that were not a fan of uh, selecting Kobe Turner in the third round. have to throw that in there because I, I couldn't believe how many people hated the pick. Um, but uh, <laughs> it, yep. even if you were a huge fan of Kobe Turner – you did not expect him to have the season he did because by all means, in my opinion, he was defensive rookie of the year. And I I don't think you expect that out of a third round pick. I mean, sure as hell the, the people that were making the awards didn't even bother putting them on the ballot. So um, I'm going to continue to harp on that. Yes, I am. Uh, (laughs) As you should, man, that, that is actually crazy. And if, we weren't spending our time complaining about every fucking award and just complaining about that. It would have been very warranted. Absolutely, absolutely. So um, bitterness aside, I, I will say that uh, Kobe Turner had a hell of a season. And, you know, as we approaching uh, Aaron Donald's kind of, you know, towards the end of his career, you feel a lot better knowing that, you know, there's at least a, another defensive neck to him that is going to sort of carry the not suggesting he's going to be the next Aaron Donald because there will never be another Aaron Donald. But at least it's nice to know that there is another quality man right there. Uh, and hopefully they can continue to dominate while Aaron Donald is still playing. So uh, love this a plus no questions asked about this one. Yeah, man, we're we're gonna praise this draft even more uh, when we talk about Byron Young and for the rest of eternity, hopefully. But like he, like you said, like we're gonna talk about Byron Young in a second. And I think if I told you before the season this would be how Byron Young performs, I don't think either of us would be really shocked. Um, it, it felt like 
going into the year, Byron Young kind of achieved the best case scenario for Byron Young, which is great. No, I, I didn't. I could not. If you told me this is what Kobe Turner would do, I would faint. Like not at, not to the level of Puka doing what he did, but like genuinely crazy performance from Kobe Turner. Um, who, yeah, like you said, like the pick. It was a pick. I think I don't remember what we said. I was probably fine with it, but like neither of us were like this is the pick of the draft. Like what a move. It was kind of like okay. Seems like a high motor guy. Seems like a guy that's going to be good to play next to Aaron Donald. But uh, incredible. Uh, Incredible year for Kobe. And on the other side, there's Aaron Donald. 53 tackles for AD, 28 solo. He had eight sacks and 12 stuffs. Pro Football Focus credits him for 63 hurries, 14 QB hits, and 10 sacks. Uh, He had a 90.8 Pro Football Focus grade. That was the second best among defensive linemen and 12th among defenders overall uh for aaron this is the third lowest pro football focus grade of his career uh he has never been below a 90 all these players we've talked about johnny and offense and defense i don't think any of them had a 90 except aaron donald uh and his 90 is the third worst of his career so just like another feather in the cap of one of the greatest careers of all time for ad he yeah uh i gave him an a i didn't give him an a plus because it's aaron donald and he did i wouldn't say like i what's the best way to phrase this because i don't want to sound like i'm being negative in aaron donald looking at what he did last year i wasn't that he lost a step it was just like he wasn't performing at the aaron donald level like if if he was at like seventy five percent of what you expect from Aaron Donald last year, I would say this year he was at like ninety, which is great for thirty three year old Aaron Donald. Um, that's just my justification for not giving an A plus. Uh, he's incredible. He's still one of the best players in the NFL. I think he will continue to be one of the best players in the NFL, even if he's not operating at the peak of his powers like he was a couple years ago. Uh, This version of Aaron Donald is worth every penny. Uh, I'm going to give him an A+. And I'm not going to argue with you because it's Aaron fucking Donald, man. And that's pretty much my justification. I'm not even going to explain. It's Aaron fucking Donald. You, I mean, you have high expectations, of course. This is easily a first ballot Hall of Famer. And if he's not a first ballot Hall of Famer, I fucking will like ban the uh, Hall of Fame because yeah, I'm still salty about Tory Holt. Anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> sounding like a forty winer. Um, but a- a- as we should, we should have saved all our energy for that. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, as far as Aaron Donald is concerned, though, um, jokes aside. Was it the best season of his career? No, but it was still a hell of a season. You can't say that he lost a step because he still played at a high level. And it's understandable for a guy his age that he's going to decline a little bit. Um, But, I mean, is it even that much of a decline? I don't know if you could say that, you know. Uh, I mean, is it noticeable? Maybe a little but I, I can tell you one thing. There are a lot of quarterbacks in this league that wish you would decline a lot faster. 
you know, uh, especially Geno Smith. I mean, uh, <laughs> I actually felt bad for Geno Smith a couple times. Uh, <laughs> yeah. If you guys ever get a chance, look, look up like on YouTube or wherever uh, about Geno Smith, like literally, you know, cussing to get away from Aaron Donald. <laughs> Um, it, it was hilarious. So I think he said something to the extent of like, oh, shit, or something like that as uh, Aaron Donald's approaching. Um, yeah, I don't blame him. I, I throw the fucking ball away or also. Yeah, I he is just wreaking havoc on the league. And I, you know, there's been retirement rumblings every year. I'd be floored if this was a year retired uh, because it seems like they're gearing up to put another Super Bowl caliber team around him. Uh, and we'll see what happens there in the coming months. Other guys on the defensive line, I've got Jonah Williams and Bobby Brown here. I'm just going to give you both of their stats. Uh, Jonah, according to Pro Football Focus, had 13 hurries, two hits, two sacks. Uh, graded at 53.7, which was 129th among defensive linemen, which is not great. Uh, he did end up with two sacks and 49 tackles on the year. Bobby Brown had 31 tackles and half a sack, uh, played a little bit less, but graded out better on PFF was a 72.1, which is 30th among defensive linemen, which is very good. Uh, five hurries and one sack, according to them. I grouped them together, Johnny, because honestly, I did not focus on either of them that much this year. And I gave them both a B minus. They were both pretty fine. Um, you know, the the glory of this group goes to Turner and Donald, but I don't think Williams or Brown had a negative impact on the group. And, you know, if they choose to focus their energy elsewhere and just bring back this group, I'd be okay with these guys. Uh, so I went B minus for both of them. If you want to talk about them separately, go for it if you've got takes. Uh, as far as uh, Jonah Williams is concerned, I felt like he, he's a he's a pretty adequate uh, rotational guy. He's kind of been that type of player that the Rams kind of you know developed a little bit. Can be that rotational guy, uh, but overall, um, I felt like he he had a solid year, um, a little bit better than what I expected. So. Yeah, I, I feel like a B, B- minus is a fair grade for him. Um, but for me, as far as, um, you know, Brown is concerned, I feel like for him, it's a little bit harder to really dissect based on stats alone because of his position. He is a true nose tackle, which is why the Rams, uh, you know, with Raheem Morris and Sean McVay, they covet him a lot because – that's something that the Rams uh, really, really need, um, and they lost a lot of that with uh, Greg Gaines's departure. So having Brown come in and you know kind of fulfill that role, you know, he was drafted to to do that, and finally seeing him step up and fill that role nicely, it's it's a positive thing, and I hope he continues to get better um, because if it continues. This is going to be a lethal, you know, defensive line uh, the more and more they improve. So for me, I'm going to give him actually a, a, a B plus. I thought that um, uh, Brown was really solid the entire year when he was healthy. That was just kind of the biggest issue was him, you know, staying on the field. Mm -hmm. But um, 
he's going to be one of those guys that's not going to show up a lot in the stat sheet. He plays selflessly so that guys like Kobe Turner, guys like Aaron Donald, Byron Young can get in there and uh, do what they do best. Uh, sort of like what Michael Brockers was for a long time. You know, a guy that is an unsung hero, uh, though I will say Brockers was a little bit more mm, aggressive to get to the uh, to the ball carrier. So um, that's where it kind of differs there. So hopefully that continues to develop. Um, I, I really like what I'm seeing with Brown and uh, just got to stay healthy and more consistent. I think we'll be good. Yeah, and hey, Pro Football Focus agreed with you. With uh, I was shocked to see how high he was graded. So um, happy to see him develop and hope it continues. On the edge, let's let's start with Michael Hoyt. Let's start with the bandit off. He to me is the hardest player in this entire exercise to grade. Uh, you look at the stats. He had 81 total tackles, six sacks, forced to fumble, uh, three and a half stuffs. You get into the advanced numbers, he had 30 hurries, 6 hits, and 7 sacks, according to Pro Football Focus. Now, he had a low grade. It was 57.2, which is 138th among edge rushers, which is obviously not good. Um, but this is where it gets hard to grade, because he had a 66.8 pass rush grade, um, which is pretty good uh, for a guy like Michael Hoyt. But his grade is obviously bogged down, as you can imagine, Johnny, by a 34.4 tackling grade and a 36.1 coverage grade. If you dig into him uh, in coverage, he... One sec, I want to pull something up because I didn't record one of his stats. Um, But if you look at him in coverage, he was targeted 44 times for 35 catches, 313 yards and two touchdowns receivers on Hoyt recorded 245 yards after the catch QBs targeting Hoyt had 111.5 passer rating um, which is obviously bad but like I didn't think he'd be good at it you know like if if you told me Michael Hoyt made the strides that he made as a pass rusher. Uh, I think I would have been thrilled. Uh, and he had 16 missed tackles, which is, that's what I was trying to find, which is not great. Um, but I think all of the negative stuff stemmed from, like, if you told me before the year Michael Hoyt would drop back into coverage a single time, I would have flipped out because why is he doing that? And he did it a lot, and he did it poorly. And, like, I, I want to hear your grade first, honestly, because, like, I don't – I have a lot of – and I've said it on previous pods. I have a lot of conflicting feelings about Hoyt as a player because of the way they've used him, which has been, in my opinion, not correct. But they don't really have a choice. It's um, interesting because, on the one hand, if you if you really consider expectations as part of this grade, did any of us really expect him to really thrive in this role? And I think the majority of, of us would say no. So, uh, not that he, 
you know, did super well or anything like that. But I will say that he did better than I expected. Um, not, and again, that's not to sit here and say that he was, you know, superb or anything like that. Just he was there, you know, he, he, uh, he was a guy that held his own uh, in, a, in a lot of aspects of his game. Definitely not in certain aspects of his game like uh, covering or um, even in some cases, you know, tackling seemed to be a challenge. But again, you're asking a converted defensive lineman to basically catch up to, you know, running backs and tight ends. That's not typically what he was doing. So... Yeah, is it understandable for him to miss a few tackles? I would say so, yeah. Um, overall, though, I, I got to give him a C. I, I, you know, I I do think he did enough to warrant some praise, but there was quite a few things that makes you, like, you know, shake your head thinking, I don't want to see this guy as a starter next year. Or at the very least, can we send them back to be a defensive lineman where he should be? Well, I, I'm going to give a B minus because, and I don't really, I don't disagree with anything you said, but because like, in not to sound like a broken record for our returning listeners, I think that he can and likely will be a backup edge pass rusher next year who just only rushes because I, I, you said he was like, fine. I would say in, as a pass rusher, I thought he was like productive. Um, not to the extent you want from a starting edge rusher, but like for Michael Hoyt, at, like you said, it was converted into this. I thought he, I was really impressed by the strides he made as a pass rusher. But when he drops into coverage, he is a defensive lineman. He can't cover fucking anybody. Uh, and so I, like, my expectations would be the same as if I walked out there and had to defend anybody because I can't guard anybody either. So it's it's he's tough for me to grade, but, like, I was impressed enough to where, like, I want him on the team next year. I want him to have a role. They just need to adjust his role because, like, he can't he can't be going on in coverage and like we'll talk about Ernest Jones in a bit. He's a guy who was I would say incredibly mediocre as a in pass coverage this year, but like you don't care because he's not he's not ruining the team by it, and he's doing so good at everything else that it doesn't matter. But like Hoyt is so clearly just like being misused on those downs. Um, and so I think they'll figure it out because they, they're going to have to add somebody to this position. If we come in next year and Byron Young and Michael Hoyt are still the starters, we will probably both be calling the offseason a categorical failure. Uh, so there will be changes, and I think he'll get to settle into a more fitting role. But, like, I, like I felt bad to accept when he was in coverage because it, he, he can't do it, and we know this. And they should know this too. I, I do think that they know. Uh, yeah, it's, just, it's just what are the other options? And to be fair, they did actually try to bring in other options. It's just they're not ready yet, or they may never be ready. 
Um, so eh, they didn't see it. The only serious addition to this unit was Byron Young last year. Everything else is just like late round darts or undrafted free agents. Yeah, and they they were darts, but uh, uh, you know you kind of hope that one of them would land. I mean, it, it it worked on certain players. Yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking of players that worked, how about Byron Young? Sixty-one tackles, including forty-two solos. He had eight sacks, I believe. Was second among rookies behind Turner. Two forced fumbles, four stuffs. Pro Football Focus graded him as 64.1, which was 85th among edge rushers, but for a rookie, that seems pretty solid, especially for a third-round pick. Uh, He's dragged a little bit because he had a low tackling grade of 42.6, but according to them, he had 30 hurries, 13 hits, 8 sacks. So same thing for them. Coverage for him. You know, relative to what we just said about Michael Hoyt, he allowed nine catches on 11 targets for 50 yards. So, and a touchdown. So, not, so fine. Um, I gave him an A minus. Maybe I'm being a little, maybe it should be higher. I don't know. Uh, but I think, you know, like I said earlier, this, this felt like we, we were obviously very impressed by Byron Young, but I think we were pretty high on him going to the season and, understanding what the opportunity was going to be for him because like he was a day one like number one guy on the edge depth chart because nobody else was there we knew he was going to be afforded a lot of opportunities and um i think he he exceeded expectations to an extent but not to like the kobe turner puka Nakua, or kyron williams love like those guys uh he was impressive i'm really excited to see where he goes in his career um but i think like this was fairly you know a little bit better than i expected but like not like vastly exceeding expectations because they were high uh and he delivered and i you know i'm excited to see where his career goes like how high he can get from here because um it was a great start i don't know i hope it doesn't sound negative no, I don't. I don't think it's negative. I think what it is is you're you're talking about a guy that. Um, well, first off, I, I think it's important to note that as Ram fans, we're we're kind of spoiled, uh, especially by this draft class this year. You know, we we saw two really wonderful players step in and basically become you know these pros out of nowhere. And then you get a guy like Byron Young who had a hell of a year, but is compared to like a Puka Nakua or Kobe Turner, it doesn't seem as impressive. And that's tough. You know, that's, it's tough to uh, really compare when you have those guys in front of you. Um, But that being said, there's no question. Byron Young had a pretty good year. Um, The, I think kind of the difference with Byron Young as opposed to a Kobe Turner is that while Kobe Turner does also have room for improvement, you could see the evidence on Byron Young a little bit more that he has some room for improvement uh, quite a bit. Um, But it is a great start. One of the things you do have to give the man credit for is, first of all, being an edge rusher as a rookie 
is tough. It, it's not uncommon, even first, um, to struggle for a couple of years, and, and then they start to develop more and more. So for him, as a you know third rounder, to come in and become a that's exactly what he was. He was a, a probably a little more than a competent starter. He was a, a pretty good starter. Yeah. Um, that that's impressive. That in and of itself is impressive. Now, usually along the way, you have the uh, you have these younger guys being you know prepped by other you know veterans. Like it would have been nice for Byron Young to have like uh, a Leonard Floyd. Um, you know, maybe a Von Miller right there to teach him, um, but he didn't. He had Hoyt, and, and you know, no disrespect to him, but he's a converted defensive lineman. Yeah, he's also you know? learning how to play edge rusher. Exactly. So he literally had nobody other than Raheem Morris to teach him uh, and guide him along the way. You know that that's impressive for him to still thrive like that. So I gave him a slightly better grade um, because, again, there is evidence of him needing to improve. But hopefully this offseason the Rams could bring in um, a veteran. I would prefer a veteran, to be honest. I, uh, I agree. Like, like a Brian Burns. That would be amazing. Uh, if you can do that and help you know him along the way, I think we see him even blossom even more which can be a really scary thing if you actually pair him with a hell of a good uh, edge rusher. So for me, I gave him an A. Um, I don't think you can quite give him an A plus just because, uh, I, you know, again, comparing to the other guys, I don't think you could quite give him that A plus, but an A for sure because, damn, uh, if this is our future, it's looking good, man. It's looking bright. Yeah, he's off to a great start, and and like you said, like without any, you know, no disrespect to Michael Hoyt, who I just who I just heaped some praise on as a pass rusher, he's the guy you have to worry about. Byron Young and a third round pick on day one should not be the guy off the edge defenses can cue in on because you know you're setting up for failure, and he didn't fail. Uh, he played great all rookie as a rookie. Um, so we're, we're real happy with him. Can't wait to see where that goes and can't wait to see what they do at the position. Uh, before we get to the next guy, Johnny, you know, and for the listener, I usually have a sheet of talking points for our sponsors and I don't know what I did with the prize picks one, but I like prize picks so much that I don't fucking need that sheet. Uh, because what prize picks is going to give you is football is over, but sports continue. And if you're like me, you know, you're you need a little incentive to watch sports that aren't football, and that's where Prize Picks come in. Uh, it is a way to root for individual players and what they're gonna do. That's not complicated like a DraftKings or a FanDuel or a other daily fantasy games. Prize Picks is just the simplest, easiest daily fantasy app because all you have to do is. They're going to give you some players. They're going to give you stat lines. You just pick more or less of the stat line they're giving you, and you get to pick the players from a pool of players, uh, and then you group those picks together, and if they all hit, you win money regardless of what other players on the app do. Uh, and 
Yeah, it, it's going to be great for basketball. It's great for hockey. Uh, all you got to do to play is download the app Prize Picks or go to PrizePicks.com slash Rams Talk. If you're on the app, you can use our promo code Rams Talk R A M S T A L K. And you're going to get a first deposit match up to $100. So if you put in $100, you have $200 to play with. And this is going to help you get through the offseason lull of football, guys, because I just elbowed my door in excitement because prize picks is just is just going to make all your other sports so much better. So that's Ramstock is your promo code, R-A-M-S-T-L-K, for a first deposit match up to $100. Don't you know the sponsor quick, and then we'll get back to the show. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, Ernest Jones, the green dot, is what I'm going to nickname him from now on. 145 tackles. Johnny, that was a franchise record, breaking James Laurinaitis's single-season record of 142 tackles. He had 74 solo tackles, four and a half sacks, and 16 stuffs. Ended up with a 78.8 pro football focus grade. That wound up 20th among linebackers. He was dragged a little bit by his 57.5 coverage grade, uh, where he was targeted 52 times for 39 receptions, 341 yards, no touchdowns. Uh, so he had that going for him. He broke up four passes. It was a 91.9 passer rating by QBs targeting Ernest Jones. He missed 13 tackles. Which, you know, isn't ideal, but when you have four, 145 tackles, you're tackling a lot. Uh, I give him an A. You know, the advanced passing, pass coverage numbers aren't great, but that's not the player Ernest Jones was profiled to be when he was drafted, and I think he's honestly been better than expected in coverage. Uh, there's still work to do, but he's he's such a great leader. He brings such great energy to this team. He's so productive um in run defense and just like as the guy in the middle of this defense i really hope they can find a way to make an extension work for him uh this offseason but either way he's on the team next year and i I can't wait to see him continue to develop i love this guy i was so excited when they drafted him and it's it's great to see it actually panning out when they invest anything in an inside linebacker so two things extend him yes like i i if, if i'm less need which he's a much smarter man than i am but uh you know if i'm less need i am already talking to ernest jones about an extension uh, i do not want ernest jones to hit the market because then it's going to cost way too much on that note for the love of god Please get him some help. And that's part of the issue here is um, typically speaking, you you want to have, you know, your your kind of your cover inside linebacker considering you use two inside linebacker sets. Um, 
And then obviously that's not Ernest Jones. So for him to basically have to do all the leg work, it, it's not easy, you know, and it, it, there is a philosophy to what Raheem Morris was doing uh, with his defense. Obviously it worked to an extent, but um, it was a clear weakness in this uh, defense, you know, tight ends were having a filled day with us. Uh, they have been for years. And, you know, that being said, um, still one of the more surefire tacklers of this team. I mean, to be kind of mentioned in the same breath as uh, James Laronitis from tackles, um, that's that's impressive. You know, James Laronitis uh, was one of the more, you know, uh, you you definitely expected him to get that tackle. And, you know, it was a shame that a lot of times it was, uh, you know, chasing down to uh, offensive players uh, in Laronitis's times. But um, overall, though, I, I I agree. I'm, I'm with you on that. I think A is a fair grade. Um, solid player, definitely needs some help and definitely needs an extension. Make it happen, Sneed. I he would definitely be the first or no, he'd be the first linebacker extended since Alec Ogletree. Uh wow. who I, <laughs> I think was the last defensive player extended by the Rams that they drafted before Aaron Donald. Uh <laughs> and Johnny, you mentioned his help. Uh this year it was for the most part Christian Roseboom, who Oof. had seventy nine tackles, including forty eight solo tackles. Now, Ernest Jones with a 78.8 pro football focus grade. To put that in perspective, Roseboom was a 47.9. Uh, it was 156 overall among linebackers. There were not that many linebackers beyond him on the list. Uh, he had an abysmal tackling rating of 34.8. Uh, he missed 18 tackles, you know, which is not great. Uh, he was targeted 50 times for 43 catches, 340 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, he did have an interception, though. Uh, and to put that in perspective, because he gave up, like, the same amount of yards as Ernest Jones in coverage, it was on about 140 fewer coverage snaps than Jones. So when Roseman was out there, it's insane that he was covering on that many snaps to begin with. Um, but, yeah, I gave him a D-plus because, like, my expectations were incredibly low, and they were met. Uh, the The way the team was structured, like you knew they weren't gonna invest in a second inside linebacker, and I agree they need help, but like they still have so many needs that it wouldn't shock me if <laughs> I hate to say it, it could just be Roseboom again, or just somebody of this caliber that's just like a warm body out there. Um, no disrespect. He made it to the NFL. He's playing in the NFL. Uh, but, yeah, not not great. You know, I I still think that Roseboom is, you know, someone that I don't mind being on the roster uh, for backup purposes or special teams. He was actually really good at special teams. Um. For that purpose, I'm all for him being on the team. To be a starter, no. And I want to give this an F so bad. 
But at the same time, when I think of expectations, we expected him to be good at that. <laughs> yeah. And in that's the, the in thing. In the spirit of the game, you, you can't give him an F. You, you really can't because some some players are meant to be starters and, and he, he's just not one of them. That's that's what it boils down to. Uh, so in the end, I won't harp on this too much because I think it's kind of ridiculous for me to harp on, you know, how quote-unquote bad a player plays when I'm just, you know, sitting on the couch watching him. So, um I, I, I'm going to say a, a C minus just because, uh, yeah, uh, did he meet expectations? I suppose he did. Um, yeah. Uh, I'll leave it at that. Uh, we're not going to grade Troy Reader, but he was 45.7 on Pro Football Focus, so he was a little lower than Rose Boom. Uh, I don't think he, he played enough to justify a grade. No. Uh, we get to the secondary here. Akella Witherspoon, our late in the offseason acquisition, ends up being the cornerback one by a long shot. He had 52 tackles on the year, three interceptions, 14 passes defended, 62.8 on pro football focus grade. It was 112th among quarterbacks. Cornerbacks. Uh, there's a lot of cornerbacks at play, so... You know, it's not bad for your A guy, but or it's not good for your A guy, but it's not bad for him, I guess. Um, he was targeted 103 times for 52 receptions, 785 yards, and five touchdowns. That sounds like a lot, but for how many times he was targeted, it, I don't think it was that bad. Uh, his quarterback rating by quarterbacks throwing him to the ball was an 80 uh, which is like for a guy like a Caleb Witherspoon and the guys he's covering, perfectly fine. Uh, he had ten pass breakups according to PFF. I he's a tough one to grade because he he had a real up and down year. But I, I'm torn between a B and a B plus. It put me like right in the middle there. I think he. We knew he was a guy who could play if he stayed healthy, and I'm not going to grade him any higher because he stayed healthy, but he did. But, like, what he was asked to do is just, like, for a guy you signed for a million dollars in June should never be being asked to do this, uh, to guard the other team's number ones. And, you know, we've talked about where this been before. Like, I would love him back next year he cannot be back as the number one cornerback. They need to add somebody because nobody on this roster is capable of being the number one cornerback. Uh, and we'll talk about some of these other guys here too. Uh, but yeah, like BB plus, I don't know which direction to go. Where'd you go with it? So one thing to consider is with the Keller Witherspoon, like you said, he was a late addition. Uh, he came in uh, with, kind of unknown expectations just because we knew that the potential was there, but it was really hard to see because this guy was never healthy. Thankfully he had a relatively healthy season and he showcased what he can do, you know, and 
based on what he did, it was actually impressive. Was it perfect? Of course not. But he really shouldn't have been the number one guy to begin with. So the fact that he basically beat out all of our cornerbacks, uh, which isn't saying much, but uh, when we brought him into the uh, you know franchise, we were thinking to ourselves that he was going to be the number two guy and Kobe Durant was going to be the number one. So in that regard, you can certainly make an argument that he exceeded that expectation. Now, uh, how much you want to give him credit for that, that's up to you. But for me, I think a solid B plus is fair. Um, it was, like you said, an up and down season. There were games where dude looked like one of the better cornerbacks out there. And then there was games where he looked like crap. So, again, a lot of that has to do with uh, just making him the number one guy. I do want him back. I do want him as our number two cornerback. Um, and we definitely need to look out for our top guy um, because clearly it's not Kobe Durant, which we will talk about soon. Yeah, hope they can keep a Kella. We'll see what happens. We'll see what kind of money lies out there for him in free agency. Kobe Durant, how about we do him? 39 tackles in the year, six pass defended. PFF's got him at a 57 overall grade. Um, that was 153rd among cornerbacks. I know what you're thinking. It was worse than Darian Kendrick, who was a 59.7. Uh, he had a 46 targets for 30 receptions, 413 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, he had six pass breakups. Quarterbacks targeting him graded out at 101 passer rating. I, to me, there, you know, there was no competition in this room. Like, this, Kobe Durant, if he was going to, like, kind of prove himself as a guy, um, as somebody who, you know, I don't think he would have ever been a number one cornerback, but, like, a guy capable of being an exciting number two cornerback, uh, looked, made a lot of, like, it felt like as a rookie had a lot of promise. And then this year, man, I, I saw absolutely nothing out of him. Like no improvement. It just felt like he was a guy on the field. Um, and not in the way, like when the, the likes of like Namdi Asamoah used to be out there and you don't notice them because quarterbacks do not look their way. He just, I don't know, man, nothing impressed me. I had really high hopes for Durant to be a breakout guy. And so for that reason, this is a harsh grade. I'm giving him a D plus. I I just I don't know, man. I I do not think this is a guy that needs to sniff the rotation next year. And he caught a he had a break in a lot of senses because Darian Kendrick was so loudly bad on the field in big moments. Uh if you ask me who I'd rather have in the rotation between Durant and Kendrick next year. Like, man, I don't, I don't know. It's probably Durant, but I have to think about it. Uh, and that's crazy. Like, I can't believe none of these guys panned out. Like it, it is kind of baffling. Well, 
for me, I think one of the things was uh, it was a bit unfair uh, for, I, I mean, obviously the Rams didn't have a ton of choice here because they had to get rid of Jalen Ramsey. Uh, it was unfortunate. I, I don't think anyone really wanted that to happen, but the truth was we couldn't afford him anymore. Happens. Uh so because of Ramsey's departure, obviously that leaves one guy uh, who showed a little bit of promise in his rookie year in Kobe Durant. That's an awful lot to put on one guy who basically had a decent rookie year. And part of that success could have been from Jalen Ramsey making him look good. So it is almost unfair to kind of put this all on, on Durant and not so much on the front office for basically making him, you know, look even worse than what he performed out there. But um, you would think at some point that you would see Durant bounce back, you know, have a little bit of improvement, but pretty much he just performed terribly all year. So, you know, keeping that in mind with the idea that maybe this guy can show some promise and then ultimately showing nothing. Yeah, I, I, I give him a D, you know, uh, again, I, I and the only reason why it's not an F is because I, I have to put a lot of this blame on the front office for putting him in, in this position in the first place, because yeah, uh, not having any sort of a backup plan, you kind of fed him to the wolves and, well, he got devoured. Yeah, well, yeah, I don't know, man. It's just you could look at it that way, but it's also there's opportunities to come in and, and do some stuff, and he didn't do anything. Uh, you look at, like, you look at Michael Hoyt. Like, we had all that, like, uh, there's plenty of negatives to say about Hoyt. But, like, we had some positive takeaways, um, and he feels like a rotational guy. Um, Kobe Durant feels, like, slightly better Robert Michelle. Like, they're on the same trajectory. Uh, I, I really don't expect him to be, be a player. Uh, and I hope I'm wrong, because he seems like an awesome dude. Oh, man. <laughs> to compare him to Robert Michelle. Man, that's a kick to the balls. And on the other end was Darian Kendrick, who... I don't think was as promising as Durant was as a rookie, but like also showed like a small amount of flashes. He comes in this year, 49 tackles for, uh, I wrote down eight interceptions and I'm trying to think of what that was supposed to be. Deflections, maybe I had 10 passes defended. I don't know. Ignore me. It couldn't have been that important. Uh, he had a 59.7 <laughs> grade, which was 139th among cornerbacks. He was targeted 69 times for 43 receptions, 623 yards, and four touchdowns. He had seven pass breakups, uh, 140, 104.9 QB rating. He missed 12 tackles. Uh, obviously was a guy who we complained about a lot, wanted to get benched, ended up getting benched. Um, and I'm giving him a D minus for the reason that when he popped back up post benching, 
he actually seemed like he took the benching seriously and played a little better. Not perfect, not even good, but better than he was doing before they took him out of the lineup. And, you know, even worse than Durant, like this isn't a guy I really need on the team next year. I don't think he can be a part of your rotation, but I will give him some props in that, like, it did seem like he bounced back a little, and maybe he can turn it around as a player. I'm not counting on it, but, like, at least it ended on somewhat of a positive and not a not a whole massive negative because it was really bad for quite a while. So I think part of the reason why Steve was conflicted as to uh, who you'd rather see back, whether it be Kobe Turner or I'm sorry, Kobe Turner, Kobe Durant, or uh, God, I hope we see Kobe Turner back. Yeah, um, he's the guy I would like back. Kobe Durant or Darian Kendricks. The reason why he was a little bit conflicted is because, at least with with Kendricks, you you saw flashes. You saw like some some uh, impressive plays here and there, uh, some nice deflections here and there, and you really didn't see that with Kobe Durant. You know, it, he was a body essentially out there, and you know, again, there was a benching involved for Kendricks, and you know, rightfully so, uh, but you kind of expected this because. We learned last year during Kendricks's rookie year that he's slow. And, you know, asking him to go out there and cover some of the fastest players out there, like a Tyler Lockett, you know, that's, that's a lot to ask. And, you know, again, this, he's out there because, you know, we don't have a lot of choice. You know, there wasn't a, a, a lot of depth on this team at cornerback. So expectations, I felt like it wasn't – I felt like it wasn't um, – he kind of exceeded it a little bit. But, of course, he was still not that great. So for that reason, I gave him a C-. minus. Hey, look at that. Yeah. C minus because I feel like he he did rise above my expectations a little bit. Yeah, I mean at least like compared to where we were at the point where he got benched, uh, he he had some moments this year, um, and he was yeah he, he was targeted more than Durant. Maybe that's a testament to Durant being better at coverage. I think it was just because Kendrick played more. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. Russie or Quentin Lake also was great as a corner on Pro Football Focus. He was, I think, the slot cornerback, right, for a bit, even though he was really just, like, still to me was a safety. Um, but they graded him. He had 53 tackles in the year, 42 solo tackles, six pass defended. He got a 70 Pro Football Focus grade as a cornerback, which was 52nd among cornerbacks, which is, I mean – Pretty remarkable for him. Uh, he was targeted 54 times. He gave up 38 catches, 312 yards, and two touchdowns, uh, which was a 97.1 passer rating. He only missed four tackles, which we didn't talk about missed tackles. That's That ain't bad. 
Um, I gave him a B. You know, he never wowed me, but like him and uh, to a lesser extent, Russ East, like they like if those guys are on the field next year, I'm not going to be upset about it because they, they they're playable guys. Um, and you you have so many holes you need to fill. Uh, so as far as you know, uh, Quinton Lake is concerned. Um, I I give him a minus, and the reason being is because, uh, you know, obviously coming into the season, this was a guy I wasn't even sure was going to get any playing time at all. You know that the safety spots were spoken for. Um, I didn't expect them to kind of use them at cornerback. I was expecting them more to use them as kind of that hybrid safety linebacker role, which he did, um, but not as much as I anticipated. Like you said, they did use them a little more at, at as kind of that slot corner, which is interesting because not typically what he was asked to do in college. Um, uh, could he do it? Sure, but uh, interesting that they put him there, uh, primarily because they didn't really have a lot of choice. You know, that was expected to be like out of uh, either Kobe Durant or, uh, you know, uh, Hodges Tomlinson, but uh, that didn't work out either uh, for one reason or another. Uh, that being said, um, the fact that Quinton Lake's versatility um, being considered here, that's really impressive. You know, being able to shift around, become a safety one play, maybe uh, doing that uh, slot corner the next play, uh, going over to that safety linebacker hybrid role on another play. I, I got to give him his props because, you know, was he perfect? Of course not. But, um, Overall, showing his versatility like that, I think, is a great uh, asset to have. And I'm not sure what exactly his role will be in 2024, but uh, it's pretty safe to say that, uh, you know, they'll find a spot for him. And that's that's good to know. Um, yeah. yeah, so I give him an A-. minus. Bump me up to a B plus. You sold me. <laughs> uh, yeah, he seems like somebody that will be in the rotation uh just maybe out of necessity but uh it is productive enough to warrant it how about jordan fuller in the secondary 94 tackles for him including 61 solo tackles three interceptions eight passes defended he got a 67.9 on pro football focus that was 49th among safeties uh really wowed with a 71.9 tackling grade uh, and his grade was in his four-year career his second best overall behind 2021. Uh, he was targeted 44 times in the year for 25 catches, 334 yards, and three touchdowns, uh, which was a 75.4 passer rating. So decent yardage-wise, but um, a, a good rating. I give him a B plus. He was really solid, very reliable. Um, took a few lumps, but overall. Uh, kind of got back to the form we expected from him ever since he won that job his rookie year. Unfortunately, I think he played himself back into some money, and I don't think we are going to be the ones to pay it to him. So this might be our farewell to Fuller, but uh, a guy I really like, and it was nice to see him have a solid year. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, this was a guy that um, I, I honestly didn't know what to expect out of Jordan Fuller uh, because, you know, this was someone that got demoted the previous year and now they were asking him to basically be a starter. And, hey, you know, it worked out for the better. Maybe he wasn't, uh, you know, the best safety we ever had, but he certainly stepped up quite a bit. And like like you said, Steve, it, it was nice seeing him being able to, you know, step back and um, have, you know, really nice games. There was times he looked like a, a badass out there. Um, and then there were times where it was like, oh, man, starting to look like uh, how he did previous years. Um but overall, yeah, I, I do think he uh, performed a little bit better than I expected. Um, so for me, I give him B plus. Uh, again, that's not really saying that he was a great player, just he exceeded expectations. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I hope he continues to have a successful career, even if it's not here. Quentin Lake, we already talked about him. Russ Yeast, 61 tackles on the year, 37 solo tackles. He was 57 on Pro Football Focus, which is not you know, fantastic. He was 131st among safeties. He missed 20 tackles. Ouch. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, targeted 36 times for 26 catches, 382 yards and a touchdown. Uh, quarterbacks targeting... Him had a 115 passer rating, which I think is the highest out of any of these guys. He got benched for John Johnson midway through the year, right? Yep. So, you know, C minus, not great. Uh, he might end up back in that job next year just because Fuller's probably gone. And, and, you know, we'll see if they bring back John Johnson, who will. We'll end the pod with next. Um, I don't know. What wasn't like glaringly bad to me from the eye test, but when you look at the advanced metrics and factor in the fact that he got benched, it's pretty bad. I have to say, um, for me, I, I gave him a D. And the reason being is because um, he looked like he was on the right track to being a, a solid starter this year and i felt like at the beginning of the season he looked really good and then towards you know as we got deeper into the season he he just kind of looked lost sometimes um the missed tackles is the biggest glaring thing uh you know you can't have 20 missed tackles in the limited time he played uh that's probably one of the major reasons why he got benched and, you know, he got benched in favor of John Johnson, who we didn't even know if he was going to play much this year and ended up taking the starting role. Um, yeah, I, I think maybe I had a little bit too much expectation, so that might have been a me thing. But I, I don't know if it's that much of a me thing because – yeah, I, I I think there was a genuine hope that Russ East was going to um, uh, play a lot better. Now, that's not to say that it's the end of Russ East or anything like that, 
that we've seen the last of him or anything like that, but uh, he does need to perform significantly better if he is to be the starter again next season. Yeah, I'd be more confident in him producing next year than Durant or Kendrick, but uh, in an ideal world, none of the three, but I don't know (laughs) if that's on the table. Uh, Lastly, because we have been talking for a while, uh, we will wrap this up here with Johnny Johnson, John Johnson the third. Uh, I don't remember who kept calling him Johnny Johnson one game, but it was very bizarre. Uh, <laughs> he, you know, grades wise, not that much better than Yeast for Pro Football Focus, fifty eight point four grade, which was one hundred twenty second among safeties. But you you get into the weeds of it. He gave up fifteen catches on twenty eight targets for one hundred thirty four yards and a touchdown. Uh, but it winds up being a forty eight point eight passer rating. Um, or am I reading the right stat here? Yeah. I quarterback stirring against him had a 48.8 passer rating, which is by far the best anyone we talked about and by far the best of his career. Uh, somebody who's always been pretty decent in, in pass coverage. Uh, it was the lowest grading year for him on pro football focus, but it feels like they were kind of low on him. Honestly, um, tackling wise compared to Lake, I think he missed three tackles, um, and continually had a, had a pretty high tackling grade. I, he's a tough one to grade because, you know, we love this guy. So our expectations were probably a little ridiculous for where he is in his career. I think I'll give him a B minus. Um, given what we, we just talked about like yeast and the fact that Fuller's leaving, I really hope they can keep him on a cheap deal and start him next year. And I'm probably bringing another guy to play alongside him in the draft. Uh, but like he, he, he's one of my favorite Rams and it was really nice to see him kind of play himself back into being productive as the season went on. I think a lot of this has to do with, um, maybe, uh, because, you know, if you've ever listened to our podcast regarding John Johnson, uh, Steve and I are obviously really high on the guy. Yeah, we fucking love this guy, man. I was so... We were just gushing over him on the podcast where they brought him back. Oh, man. And, and then only to see him not uh, get a single snap uh, the first couple games. Um, but uh, for me, I, I think, again, uh, because the expectation was there, uh, maybe it was too high on a guy that was obviously cut for a reason. And, uh, you know, that reunited uh, – the reason why they were able to reunite so easily was because he just isn't the same John Johnson he was, uh, you know, during his time uh, – his first stint with the Rams. So, for me, I did have high expectations – uh, so I'll give him a little leniency here because perhaps it was a me thing. Uh, so I ended up giving him a, a C plus because, um, again, I, I was hoping this was going to be a guy that was going to challenge for a starting role, and he did in the middle of the season. And like you said, Steve, didn't exactly perform a ton better 
than Rush East, who, you know, different issues, of course. But, uh, yeah, not not exactly um, what you were hoping for a guy that, you know, really thrived in his first stint with the team. So, uh, I think C-plus is fair. Um, hopefully, I, I would definitely wouldn't mind him have, having him back next year. I don't know if you want him necessarily in a starting role, but um, someone, like you said, that could maybe switch – uh, with another uh, uh, another safety, whether it be through the draft or another uh, veteran. Either way, um, I, I don't think you can necessarily rely on him to be your full-time starter next year uh, unless it's just, you know, uh, backup uh, role as well. But, oh. uh, yeah. I, I think because, you know, all the holes we just talked about this week and in the past couple weeks is, you know, you have to bring in a quarterback, cornerback, and you either have to spend money or use high draft capital or probably ideally both on that position. You have to do the same with edge rusher. You could use it at inside linebacker. Um, you could use it maybe at a rotational defensive lineman. Um, there are holes on the – not holes on the offense, not as many, but like you could use another offensive lineman. You maybe could use another receiver or backup running back. There's just so many positions they're going to need to address that, and, and assuming that Jordan Fuller walks and they don't keep him, realistically, you're going to have to bring, you're going to have to find two starting safeties, and my guess would be, it they'll they'll find maybe one probably through the draft in like the third round or so, uh, maybe they try and get two in the draft, but either way, like if what you're aligned, if assuming you don't sign a meaningful free agent to fill the position and you draft a couple guys and hope one of them maybe two can pan out or maybe uh Russies gets back to form if you get john johnson back on like a two million dollar contract and you're like you're the starting safety for this year i would be okay with it i'm not like ecstatic but there's just there's so many other things that need to be addressed that like the odds are you know, if things go well, this this safety, safety number two or whatever he is, should be like the tenth or eleventh best player on the defense, and I think that's that's fine with what we saw from him this year. Uh, I do. I would like to do special teams at some point, uh, but not today. We've gone too long. Any? Did we miss any defensive guys that you wanted to touch on? Uh, I don't think so. Yeah, I didn't think there were any other edge rushers we're talking about. Uh, we're not going to talk about Trey Tomlinson because he did not play. Uh, nope. The aforementioned Troy Reader we're not doing. Well, okay. That was fun. Another semester in the books. And we will keep going in the offseason next year. Follow us on Twitter at Barrow at Johnny5 not 6 at TuckRams. We'll talk to you all soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.